The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Jean-Luc is always a winner. We are definitely going to do, like, all of his shit on this podcast eventually. Oh, we have to. I mean, you wanted something modern and up-to-date. And this delivers. Yeah, this is this this was a really good catch, man. Shall we begin? Let's begin. Fifteen years after the Al Qaeda surprise attack on September 11th, we were still confronting uncomfortable realities in how the people that are tasked with protecting us deal with that particular threat. John Lake Ray's opinions on what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong are not so subtly inferred in this film. I'm Todd. And I'm Dave, and we like talking about spy movies. And it's high time we went with a super realistic contemporary spy movie, one that deals with the so-called war on terror. Let's talk about a most wanted man on this episode of Spies Like Us. So for those of you that don't know, John Lake Ray, uh is a very prolific author uh, whose stories have been tapped for some of the greatest films and television shows that you could probably think of involving spies and intelligence. Um, he himself worked in the Secret Service, the MI5, and the Secret Intelligence Service, MI6. Um, and one of his most famous movies, the spy, his famous books that was turning into the, the spy who came in from the cold, is definitely considered one of the best spy films ever made. And uh, because of that book, he became an international bestseller and remains, you know, still one of his best known works. Um, After the success of this novel, he actually left the MI6 to be a full-time author. Oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. So, so he was just like, yeah, forget how much, I guess, how much were they paying him? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, all of the spy stories talk about, like, oh, I'm not in it for the money, I'm in it for the thrill, or I'm in it for the duty, or I'm in it for... No, Jean-Luc Carré was like, forget this. I'm not dying. I'm going to write books. You know, uh, I, I think that's, that sounds like kind of what was going on. But, um, no, ever since that story became very successful, he left, and it's been nonstop. And, like, all of his books have turned into films or shows or... Some sort of adaptation has pretty much been made, I think, for all of his work, or at least most of it. Yeah, The Constant Gardener and uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy come immediately to mind. Um, this one, uh, A Most Wanted Man, I'm not sure if that was the same name as the novel. Uh, it probably was, because they probably want to, like... Uh, uh, Sell books. Yeah, well, yeah, and but they also, like, they want the movie to directly like ride on the coattails of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's fair to say like, this is like, as Stephen King is to horror, John Le Carre is. Oh, it's to to, oh absolutely. He's the king. Yeah. He's, he's put out so king. much stuff. You know, I think he, didn't he write the, what was the one with the uh, Jim from the office? Ted Kranz. Uh oh no 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 you're talking about uh that's the American novelist that's uh oh that's a totally different guy uh oh, no 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 that's right yeah Tom Clancy Tom Clancy no that was a Clancy that's right yeah, yeah. 
But he did get the night manager, which had uh, Tom Hiddleston in it. Which uh, that was very good. If you haven't seen the night manager, I've, was, no, I've never, I've never heard of it. We should, should we check it out? Oh, I, I mean, well, it's a mini series, so we probably would just do like one episode. But like, I loved, I loved it. I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely loved it. I, right. I was totally blown away. All right, I'm gonna put that on my list. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a 2014 movie. I had never heard of it. I'd never heard of uh, a most wanted man, but I'm really glad you put this on our list because it like fits the bill of of what we want to do here. Well, it wasn't heavily put out there. I, I don't think it did very well. The only reason I found out about it is because I was just looking up spy movies at some point, and and there's Philip Seymour Hoffman's name, Jean Le Carré's name, and like I think I, I think me and my mom were just like kind of hanging out, and I was looking up spy movies and i was like hey let's watch this and then we rented it and uh i I wasn't disappointed yeah i was not either let's head to the briefing room and break it down let's do it voice pattern recognized retinal scan complete validating security clearance clearance granted you may now enter the briefing room Okay, overview of the movie, um, and and we should, we'll put a big spoiler warning on this because I think uh, for most of the movie you're supposed to kind of think or suspect or wonder one thing that turns out to actually maybe not be entirely resolved. Maybe it isn't a spoiler. Anyways, um, the main main thing is centers around uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character Gunter Bachman, and. Uh, Bachman is a German spy. Uh, he, do we call him a spy master? He's he's well, just he's, a... he's he's kind of like the running this operation. He, he's he's not. He, I don't think he's like the head of an, an agency. I don't know if we call him a spy master, but he's definitely like. You know, he, he heads a he heads a special task force. I don't know what his title would be, or even if spies have titles. Yeah, like or something that. like this. Well, I mean, at the one point in the film, he he said when he's talking to like that whole uh, forum of like international uh, what have yous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He explains his role. Go for yeah, it. Like, we we don't exist and we're not legal according to German law, but we're necessary. We're in the streets and blah blah blah. So this is kind of a low level operation, uh, but like you know, he's the head of it. You know, he has a team. You know, he's they're got... pretty, they're a pretty boss team. You know. Oh yeah, they're great. They're great. Uh, yeah. So he's he's got this little crack team of of German spies that are uh, kind of attached to the main intelligence branch that runs Hamburg, and they're there with a like a special mandate to um, locate and uh, uh, create assets of intelligence in the Muslim jihadist friendly underground of Hamburg. Right, yeah, they're, they're supposed to keep tabs on that whole group. So right, to speak. and ever since uh, post nine eleven, we found out that apparently that the nine eleven was primarily planned in Hamburg, and it's something Wait, that. It, oh, was it planned? I thought it was just like the the hub that they all flew through that they were able to get through. Was it? Oh, is it actually planned there? Let's just real quick uh, see what Morris got to say about the the Hamburg cell. According to U.S. and German intelligence, the Hamburg cell included three of the pilots involved in the 9-11 attack, 
one of which was Muhammad Atta, the leader for all four hijacking teams. It took everyone by surprise. Like, nobody knew that uh, Hamburg had this, you know, jihadist-friendly underground uh, in it. So, yeah. so you know, one thing they did, apparently, like, that's part of the reason, you know, like, you attach a team uh, like Bachmann's uh, and plug them in there to try to, like, find out who these people are and, and what they might be planning next. Right. What their connections could be to, you know, like, to a future attack of some kind. Right. Um, you know, that's one interesting I kind of thing I think too. It's you know that's that's kind of a really uh, interesting. It, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You know, you can't just like like not allow people to carry out their religion. You know, especially in a country with a history like Germany. You know, so politically and diplomatically, you got to let people have like you know their religious freedom, I guess. And 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 there's already it's already kind of a sensitive area, I guess. So like you know. It's, kind of a nice shadow to kind of like set up you know some some sort of avenue you know so it's like you can't go on like crazy high alert and start policing this community that of people that are you know just trying to practice their religion and like you know show up for work and stuff well i mean in in some places you could i mean it sounds like that's what the russians would do oh well yeah in a similar situation but you know like in, in a place like germany like you know like in a you know, quote unquote, freer society, you know, it's, it's, it would be a bad political move. And, it, and that kind of creates an opening for like a, a cell like this to operate, you know, and it's like, well, you, you, you like, you can't ignore the fact that they're going to be using this shadow. So you got to keep tabs on it. So I, I think, I think that's primarily why, uh, you know, a task force like this would be necessary. Right. And also let's underline this. They're, they're extra legal. Um, you know, yeah. Bachman just kind of kind of has a free hand in what he does, and uh, he can kind of do things that would violate the German constitution as long as, yeah, I, don't, I guess they trust him to do that within certain parameters. You know, who knows what right. those are? Um, right. You know, but he's he is supposed to torture people to death or anything. But like, he's he's not. You know, he's kind of skating the line, I guess. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, you know, he's he's supposed to keep. The, the other German intelligence people, like, informed of, like, what's going on and stuff. Right. So right. the the main case that he's been working on for a long time here, or at least the one, you know, he might be working on multiple ones, but we're just going to focus on one in this movie, is he's watching this guy named Abdullah. Like a cultural icon professor at a university. Highly respected. Very respected. You know, the, 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 the shimmering star of the Islamic religion. He's, he's kind of like the poster child, I guess, right? He's a major uh, philanthropist. People that are people that are trying to, uh, you know, he, he raises money for uh, uh, Muslim charities and to uh, help uh, maybe uh, get food to refugees, uh, help people resettle, um, you know, just all the sorts the of... Hospitals, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All sorts of bad stuff that, you know, uh, can... Uh, can happen, is happening, has always been happening to Muslims in, in Europe. Uh, you know, this guy, like, uh, arranges funds for humanitarian causes to, to try to help them out. And that's his bag. But the thing is, you know, obviously if Gunter's watching him, um, that's because Gunter suspects that uh, Abdullah might be funneling some of that money to jihadist uh, causes. Right, and they don't quite have anything. Uh, at this, you know, at this point in the movie, he's just kind of watching it. 
you know, keep, keeping a close eye. What's going to happen in this movie uh, is another case is going to kind of drop onto Bachman's desk. And that's when Karpov appears in Hamburg. Karpov, uh, this is the very first thing we see in the movie is Karpov sneaking into Hamburg, uh, looking very, very scraggly and, 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 I don't know, scroungy and, well, very fucking terroristy, if I'm yeah. going to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and, and but you know, like what we do get at the beginning, the like the one of the first thing he does is find under a bridge to do his like daily like hour prayer or whatever. Uh, so I, I think we're like given the message. This guy's like a true believer, quote unquote. But he does have this look that's kind of like concerning, you know, uh, that he's rolling in a town, looking looking like uh, kind of like uh, like a transient type. We don't know much about his past. We're going to learn some things, you know, that, that he says and that other people say about him, like, through the movie. But Karpov is the eponymous, a most wanted man uh, in, in the movie. Um, because when uh, intelligence kind of cops on to his presence in Hamburg, everyone freaks out and thinks he might be coming in to, like, blow the city up or something. Right. Bachman maybe sees it as an opportunity to flush Abdullah out He's going to kind of combine those operations in a certain way to try to uh, get the goods on Abdullah and close that case. Uh, and he's going to get, well, I, we'll talk about how that all works out. But that's basically like the ops of the movie. There's Abdullah and there's Karpov. Well, these are our two targets, I, I guess, right? Sure. Uh, that, that we're surveilling, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's. I, th I think it's kind of cool. That, I mean, this, you know, progressing the story along this is this is kind of our like into this kind of perfect icon that we're watching to kind of see if we can get through yeah and i wanted to note about this movie like uh or contrast it to the company where in the company uh you know there were like spies on both sides and they're like playing you know chess against each other and there's you know people watching people watching people on mm. on both sides of the thing this movie is much more one-sided. This is really just like we're on the side of the intelligence agencies, and the the people that we're watching are not, uh, you know, not spies. No, yeah, they're potential terrorists at this point. So, um, the reason, okay, so the reason that everyone kind of quietly loses their shit over the fact that Karpov shows up in Hamburg is, you know, they, they don't know who he is. Uh, he's got no, he's got no papers. He snuck into the city. Uh, he's a Muslim from Chechnya. And when they, uh, when they do like kind of run his background, find out a little bit about him, mostly what they find out, uh, apparently, well, for one thing, he's classified. I'm not sure how they classify him, but classified as an escaped Chechen jihadist. And when they when they read off that off the screen, I'm not sure exactly where they're like who classified him as that, but uh, a lot of the information that they have on him seems to come from the Russians. And we'll find this out. We'll find more details about, about that later. But the Russians have a whole fucking list of like uh, terrorist crimes that this guy's committed. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, he'd been in prison. They got I think his like like prison record or something. He'd been imprisoned in russia and we later found out in turkey was it turkey uh yeah i think it was russia first and then turkey and right. then he i guess escaped from turkey and made his way to hamburg hmm. 
Man, this guy's got quite the chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's led he's led an exciting life, to say the least. Um, it's just about him. <laughs> uh, so, uh, let's see. Chechnya, I guess, like, Chechnya, uh, they, I mean, there's a lot of problems in Chechnya, but I think Russia is one of their biggest problems and has been for centuries, um, that there's there's been beef between those two countries. And, um, you know, uh, Russia, uh, under the Soviets... And also later for a period in the 90s, and I'm not sure what the status is right now, but uh, Russia has kind of, um, which we call it, uh, like dominated Chechnya, like had their troops in there and shit. Right. And uh, the che- it's a very one-sided battle, so the Chechens mostly like, you know, when we talk about Chechens fighting Russians, uh, we're talking about the, that uh, asymmetric warfare. And in all cases of asymmetric warfare, at least in my lifetime, like there's a huge tendency of the larger power to label all acts of insurgency as terrorism. Uh, we're not experts here or here to talk about like really like the history of Chechnya and Russia. Russia, let's just say like it's certainly complicated. For the purposes of discussing this film, though, let's stipulate that Russia and certain other global powers tend to regard certain Chechen operations over the last decades as qualifying as terrorist operations. Now, uh, let's see. I'm going to ask now, even though we might want to talk in more detail about it near the end of the film, but I just want to throw out like the que- the question of whether or not Karpov is innocent. Because um, the Russians would have a lot, like, I don't know. I don't know if you want to take the word of the Russians when it regards a Chechen that uh, is anti-Russian. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, we just know he's imprisoned in Russia and Turkey. We don't know really of what. And both Russia and Turkey have pretty strict laws, uh, to say the least. You know, Actually, um, it was stated, like, Russia had, like, a, a list of like terrorist crimes that this guy's supposed to have committed, like uh, uh, blowing up bus stations and shit like that. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. But uh, we don't know if that's true or not. So, you know, for most of the movie, I guess you're supposed to wonder like, is this guy really a terrorist or is he not? Right. And you know, I, I I think it was you that was saying that we don't really think it matters. Right. Like, because it's it's more about this guy's kind of uh, come. Well, I guess we can talk about the. That's the part I want to come back to at the end of the movie is whether yeah. or not it it truly matters or or how much. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just uh, one more thing, you know, in the in this section, uh, we, I want to flesh out a little about the character Bachman. He's a he's a very scruffy guy. Yeah, kind of like a. Uh, you, know, you know, one of those, you know, your, your typical, like, degenerate de- detective type of character, only he's, like, a spy, you know, kind right. of like, uh, we, we, you could tell he's had, like, a hard past, and he's kind of, like, just kind of, you know, uh, carrying the torch on his last leg towards the end of his life, you know, like, maybe finishing out his career, but he seems like an honorable man, you know, a guy that does the job and shows up, but, you know, he has a, he's a, he's a really damaged past, it looks like. He's overweight. He drinks too much. He smokes way too much. 
he just kind of like like even yeah, when, the does he not have a cigarette in his hand <laughs> right I the cigarettes in this movie see if there were more in this movie or in the the man who knew too much 34 version yep um in the one of the first scenes like like when he like shows up at at his station when they've called him in to let him know about Karpov, just the way he kind of gets out of the car is so like great to me. Like he just kind of like, I don't know, uh, heaves himself out of the car. He, he, <laughs> yeah. You know, he lumbers, he lurches. He, he seems, he seems, it looks like, he seems like a guy that hasn't slept in like months. Yeah. And definitely doesn't work out. You know, he just kind of rolls out of the car type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> And along the way, we're going to get uh, allusions to something went bad in his past, and it was supposedly, like, in Beirut. Beirut keeps getting mentioned as a, a place where something really bad happened to him. Sounds like he took a lot of heat for it. Uh, someone even asks him if his assignment to Hamburg was possibly a punishment for Beirut. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put forth the idea that I think that, like, Possibly before Beirut, uh, Bachman was a much more, um, I don't know, whole person. <laughs> yeah, and probably like, you know, more, uh, you know, uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, motivated type of agent, ready ready to do the job, you know, protect the country, protect the world or whatever type of thing. You know, I, I, the whole movie, I just get the feeling from him. It's, this, is a, this is a loyal dude, does the job, to rely on him type of thing. And just like really crappy stuff happened to him in the past. Yeah, and then the other thing—the other thing that fits in with Beirut with his character, I believe—is that um, we're gonna find out that he lost a lot of people that were like his people, people that were relying on him. Yeah, um, not just agents, probably assets, people with families, you know, girlfriends, maybe refugees, you know, people that like he, you know throughout the whole movie he's always like kind of you can tell he cares for his assets and his agents a great deal and i think that also comes from beirut like he doesn't want to um one one thing about him well there's a notable exception but in a lot of cases like he doesn't pressure his assets like he doesn't do like the american style or the company style where they get the goods on him and they say ha we get you by the balls now you yeah. know you know there's no way out <laughs> so we're going to do that you know, yeah, he he tells like his his primary asset in the Abdullah uh, case like several times. You know, gets cold feet and needs a pep talk, and he he says, "Look, I have never forced you to do anything, and I never will." Yeah, and uh, he 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 wants. I I think he's I think he's afraid of accidentally fucking like he's afraid of another Beirut happening. Right. I think that's a big part of his character in this movie. You know, and and he probably feels kind of safe in this type of situation because Hamburg's not like a war-torn country or anything, or, air, or country, like city or area, and he's really just watching, you know, this underground area to protect it, you know? So it's, we're, we're not talking like some Cold War, like massive scale stuff. He's just kind of like, you know, on on the watch type of thing, you know, doing his job, and, and then like a wrench is thrown into the situation. So in the movie, after we find out about, you know, Issa and his whole story, uh, our first kind of wheel spinning with our uh, tradecraft here, because we, we only started with a little bit of surveillance. Uh, we, we see Bachman 
uh, at a kind of a convenience store, like a restaurant, like a late night pizza place type of thing. And uh, this young Middle Eastern looking guy leaves a pack of cigarettes on the table that Bachman picks up. So uh, a notes pass between this guy and there's uh, an SD card with Intel on Abdullah's travels to Dubai, um, some pictures uh, of flight tickets and this big layover in Cyprus. And there's another big hint about the Seven Brothers Shipping Company in Cyprus, um, which is kind of odd uh, for Abdullah's situation because it's one of those uh, giant, like, hefty freight boats, you know, that you see like giant harbors, like, like Long Beach or something like that. And, you know, uh, Hamburg being a harbor city, the, it, it would be probably an enormous company that's bringing in like uh, those giant, like, uh, truck containers in and out of the country. Um, the this Middle Eastern, uh, this young Middle Eastern guy that we meet at, uh, we find out his name is Jamal, is actually Abdullah's son, um, which is actually really interesting because uh, we actually find out that, Jam you know, we've known Jamal has been one of Bachman's assets this whole time. And here he is. We find out that he's Abdullah's son and he's, he's pretty much spying on his dad. Uh, and and so at this point, I kind of wanted to name this my number three best tradecraft. Uh, I mean, that's a huge contact. I mean, we didn't. We, I mean, we've seen him passing back and forth with Jamal. We don't know anything about him. Later, we find out he's his, that he's his son, and we didn't actually get to see that flip. We didn't see how Gunter got to flip him. We didn't see. I mean, that's a that's a huge deal. I mean, what what, what a huge asset for your target. You, you got the guy's son who lives with him, talks to them, eats dinner with him, knows his schedule type of thing, drives him all over the place. You know, so I, I thought that was a huge, 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 like uh, you know, plus five points for for uh, Bachman here to be able to flip the guy's son. Uh, I, I would have liked to see that scene because we we actually don't find out how he flipped them. Sure. Well, I, I think we get the uh, we get the idea that maybe Jamal has concerns about his father's activities. You know, like he, I think he knows something's wrong, and he has misgivings about that. And um, and we see him in like prayer moments too. So we see that maybe he's one of those true peaceful Muslims and wants to make the world a better place, which is going to be one of our ongoing themes, I think, in this movie. Right, right. And I think it's telling, like, at the end of the movie, like, right before, like, the kind of the final operation against Abdullah, when Jamal once again is really, like, he's like, oh, my God, you're asking me to betray my father. And uh, Bachman reassures him that, and says, look, look, man, you're not betraying him. You're saving him. Trust me. You know? Yeah. You're, you're saving him from himself. Yeah. So, so Bachman's not using, you know, aggressive, like, a negative reinforcement to flip this guy he's using positive reinforcement which is the way he likes to work yeah and you know he was the one that he said to jamal like look i'm not going to force you to do anything you want i never have and i never will you know so he has a very fatherly kind of approach to his to his assets yeah that's true um so yeah so that's going on and we get the clue about seven brothers meanwhile we also got to keep our eye on karpov and and pay attention to where he's going um Karpov uh, finds a uh, a friendly Muslim cu couple, or not a couple, a mother and son, that that take him in. Um, apparently, seemingly just through some kind of 
Muslim rules about hospitality and and strangers that are in trouble and well, need I think help. it's more of a Middle Eastern thing. Like culturally, okay. you know, anytime someone comes in a town, they're like have it's kind of like a like in the Midwest or in the South that 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 well known hospitality. We're talking to like maybe like the nth degree over there. Um, I, I think it's more of a cultural thing than a religious thing. Okay. Um, they uh, get him in touch with Rachel McAdams' character, who is uh, Annabelle. Um, yeah, Annabelle, I forget her last name. Yeah. I'm going to go with Annabelle. Yeah, she's like an attorney for uh, immigrant rights, refugee rights. Yeah, she likes a refugee kind of uh, good doer and uh, tries to get them legal protections. Sure. What he, what Karpov tells her is that uh, there is a man in Hamburg that uh, he says will help him, and that's Tommy Brew, the William Defoe character, who's a, a high, real high-level banker. Yeah, yeah, we're talking like top-notch, uh, and I think it's hinted that he like hides money for people for some of his very wealthy clients. Right. They, I mean, they, they make, they make allusions to that. Sometimes when they ask him about his business, he, you know, he says, well, we're, we're not in the habit of discussing, you know, how we do our banking operations with people. And, and Rachel McAdams says, well, I'm sure that suits your clients quite well, you know, yeah, <laughs> gives, them a, gives them kind of a look, but uh, yeah. So, you know, the team is on top of their shit. They've, they've followed Karpov. They know where he's staying. They, they know that he met with McAdams she goes to meet Tommy Brew at the bank. They follow and, and see that that happened. And they, uh, Bachman makes the decision here to come in and approach uh, Tommy Brew, the banker. And this is what I'm calling my, what is it? Uh, number three, best tradecraft, uh, in my opinion, which is uh, approaching Brew. The way I see it, like, just picking Karpov up off the street doesn't accomplish anything. He's not going to talk. No. The next connection is the family that takes him in. They don't know anything. Then there's the lawyer. Picking her up off the street, that doesn't do anything. She doesn't know anything. Right. Picking the banker up off the street... I think is a good move because he is a man of high prestige with a lot to lose. Absolutely. And that's why he's getting the, my uh, number three best tradecraft in the movie is uh, selecting as you're watching your target and who they talk to and who they talk to making the right choice of where you're going to put your pressure. We uh, learn a little bit more about Karpov too. Uh, we find out uh, his father's Russian so he's he's got a Chechen mother and a Russian father. His Russian his uh, father was a, a high level uh, was a general, I think, a Russian general um, who had ties to uh, would we say yeah Russian mafia or or whatever you call them and he's uh, guy that hides money. Yeah, had a lot of black money and uh, was doing business with Tommy Brew. So that's the connection. That's the connection of Karpov to the banker is that basically their fathers knew each other and moved a, a ton, a ton, like hundreds of millions of dollars uh, yeah. illegally. 
Yeah, I think at some point Bruid said we're looking at 300 million euros at least. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good number. Good number. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's what's happening there. You had... Uh, uh, now, while this is going on, again, uh, the German, the main German intelligence guys, basically this guy Moore is the guy that Bachmann uh, not reports to necessarily, but more represents like the, the main core of German intelligence in Hamburg. Remember, Bachmann's just working this little side team. He's he kind of seems like an anti-terrorist unit of some sort. We're not really sure what organization he works with, but he, he runs kind of like the tactical forces or something. Like when, when, he, when the guns need to come out, he makes the call. Right. Um, Moore is like quietly losing his mind over this Karpov thing. Like, like, you know, uh, we should just grab him. You should, we should, why are you letting this guy like walk around on the street? You, you're supposed to tell me everything about what's going on. And this is a big problem. And, uh, Bachman is saying like, just slow down, calm down. You need to find out what's really going on here. Right. Yeah. And, uh, this is, uh, kind of going to be my number three worst trade craft. Yeah. Like he doesn't really answer to him. And, uh, this is more of kind of like, uh, one of the biggest themes in the movie is just this conflict of interest between organizations. Um, you know, it's not like he's his boss, but he's kind of like somebody you don't want to like screw over. You know, it's more somebody you kind of would want to get on your side. And we've seen Bachman de developing more of like a, a sentimental relationship with his assets but this other guy is kind of like a thorn in his side because this guy just wants to rush in and pick up everybody off the streets while Bachman's playing chess. You know, like, no, 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 no. We should watch our, our uh, targets so that we can get down to the core and then, like, stop things from happening. You know, let, let's play the long end game here so, you know, make the world a better place type of thing. Uh, and and here this guy Moore is just like, no, we go get him, we arrest him, we throw him in jail, we uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so at this point in the story, they're like going back and forth, like in a walk together. And Bachman pretty much calls him a clown and like just like craps all over him. And is like, you know, you're an idiot. Like we got to we got to play these guys and stuff like that. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to say it right now because it's kind of a bit of a spoiler for later on. But uh, it bites him in the ass heavily later. And I, I would say as a, you know, quote unquote, spy master heading like a task force like this, you, you might want to like kind of make friends with people like this. And, and like, I, I think this is more cinematic. We needed like some kind of beef, and I think this is this is really what the movie is about: is these conflicting interests between different organizations. Uh, and and well, I, I think also it's a it's a it, it's a conflict of of approach too. You know, like of um, you know, people that are just uh, you know, want to like whack every mole that pops out of the out of the hole like instantly, right. um, and and not really like ever find out or develop like what's going on underneath the board, you yeah. know, what's going on inside the machine. Right, right, right. You know, kind of like what Bachman's doing where he's like open up the console, looking at the chips, trying to find the power source and just like unplug the machine. So the moles don't pop out. Of, you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> now um, the CIA has caught wind of this whole Karpov situation as well. And they send, uh, the wonderful, wonderful Robin Wright, looking very sexy and definitely channeling some Carrie Ann Moss with that with that cool haircut of hers. Yeah. Um, and and she comes in and uh, and you know supposedly just as an observer, 
just the Americans want to want to just kind of have their hand in a little bit and and pay attention to what's going on. Yeah, as they do, and she she's playing the friend card, like you know, like look, I we I just want to work together. Like what well, you know, you don't why why do you not? I I understand why you don't trust us, but she's exactly what she she is. She does exactly what Bachman doesn't do. She's diplomatic. She's smooth. She's um, reassuring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, she's she she realizes what Bachman doesn't do on this kind of conflict between agencies and their approaches, and you know she extends out the olive branch. You know, big time, of- big time. And and Bachman at at least at first, um, he he doesn't really take it. I mean, he he definitely does not trust her. He doesn't want to tell her anything. He doesn't seem to have a high opinion of American intelligence. You get you know he doesn't say as much. But uh, you get the kind of the idea that he thinks of them as cowboys. Yeah, they're, they're cowboys, and they're out for their own interests. They don't care about anybody else. You know, they they're just the 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 big bully on the block type of thing. Uh, you know, t- typical of what you know a lot of the world, I guess, considers us to be. I guess, quote unquote. You know. Uh, she, I, th- I, I, I think she played the character very well, and you know, she just approaches a very professional way, and very, very kind of uh, calm and relaxing, like inviting way. And Bachman's just got like a, a, a grudge, you know, like I've dealt with your kind before, like. Right. <laughs> I actually like this scene a lot when when Brew meets Karpov, because uh, you have this like, <laughs> we're talking like. One percent of the one percent banker walking into this like slum area with these like kind of like you know what looks like poor Muslims and meets this like super grungy dude. Yeah, it's 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 such a great scene, and, and this just completely furthers my point that that's what I think is like the core story of this movie is this just conflict of interest, the very vast differences of motivations lifestyles and stuff like that and you have this hotshot banker with like probably like you know his probably clothing and attire and like accessories probably cost more than like this 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 couple's i don't know annual wages that are like harboring this young like refugee type of escapee uh transient and he's walking in there's like graffiti all over the door and he just kind of like like Walt is, and you see it in his face that he's. This is a different environment for him, but he's not judging. He's he's definitely not a. That's what I really liked about it. This banker is like this legit banker. There's so many characters in this movie that have this like kind of just no. Uh, I, I guess kind of like a ethics to their career, you know. Even though that they might uh, uh, disagree in motives or whatever, they all seem to like be dedicated to their motives. They're not like seedy in any way, shape or form. All, all of these people are sticking to their motivations and watching Brew watch walk into this, like, I guess, environment that he's probably not used to. Definitely not comfortable with. Definitely not comfortable with. You can see he's uncomfortable, but he's not like judgmental. He meets, the, he meets, he meets Karpov and he, he, he treats him like a client. You know, this is a possible real client, and I I am dedicated to my clients. You know, type of thing. He yeah, he's, but he's not he's, he's not sold yet. Now, um, yeah, he's, he's not. He's still he's still. It up, he, he's got uh, you know, let's see. Karpov had the letter. 
right. um, that ties their fathers together. And there was right. an account number, which Tommy has verified. Right. He knows that there's like a huge amount of money there. And there's like this certain uh, instrument. There's something that Karpov's supposed to have in his possession that proves who he is. And he does have that. It's a key. So Brew has all the, you know, quote oh, By the way, we should give like plus one spy point. Like for in the letter, it said instrument. When Brew's talking to uh, Annabelle, he must have the 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 instrument, and and then we find out it's a key. You know, so I, I think we should get plus one spy points for not saying it's a key throughout the entire thing, just to just to validate like uh, the, that this is the correct credential. You know what I mean? Still, Karpov doesn't have any identification. Um, you know, uh. Brew kind of, like, he asks Annabelle, like, questions about the guy that she doesn't, you know, she says, I don't need to answer. Um, that's not your business. But I do need to let you know that my clients, uh, let's see, his situation in Hamburg is very, very, letting him know that, like, this is something that needs to be handled uh, expediently. Discreet? Oh, discreetly, yes. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, but look at it from Bruce's situation. Now, I think he has already talked to... I'm not 100% sure about this. I think he has already talked to Bachman. Uh, oh, yeah, because he's... No, yeah, he has, because he's... We're going to find out he's wired right now in this meeting. Yes. After he leaves, uh, Bachman's going to pick him up off the street in a cool little move. I love how Bachman's parked across the street and just kind of flashes his lights. Yeah, uh, yeah to get his attention so they can yeah. have a private conversation. I'm giving plus five spy points for that. Yeah. Maybe five's a lot. Let's go with two. Yeah. Um, and blah, 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 blah. Right. But see it from Bruce's perspective. He uh, doesn't want, he really actually doesn't want to be involved in this. Although, like you said, he does have an ethical obligation uh, to a legitimate client. He's right. got a kind of a sort of a owed family debt obligation through their father's connection with each other. Yeah, we didn't even bring this up. Their fathers were homies. Yes. They, they were like besties, you know, like BFFs. You know, from when, when uh, Issa reads the letter, it's very sentimental and heartfelt. Like, you know, my good friend. And But it's uh, something it's something that Brew isn't especially proud of or, or happy about. Like, Bachman... Uh, at one point, he said, "Like, look, Tommy, you know, your father left you to clean up the mess. You know, don't don't blame me for this situation. It's your father who put you in this situation." Yeah, and it was you that was saying Willem Dafoe played that really well, where he's just like, "I just, I, I don't want to be in this situation," you know. <laughs> everyone's everyone's fantastic in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but so again. He's got all the evidence, and he's got these these obligations. And you know, Bachman has told him like this is important, yada yada yada. But still, he's looking at this bearded, scraggly, frightening kind of looking like haunted, paranoid young man, a uh, young Muslim who is snuck apparently into Hamburg, and uh, that possibly the authorities are looking for. He can surmise. I guess he's really hesitant about this, and he kind of says, like, mm, he kind of says no, or he kind of says not really to them about the money thing. Right. He's, he's a little uncomfortable about it, even though, you know, we've seen the credentials, 
you know, he's he's kind of he's kind of a little spooked here. Sure, he doesn't know what he's into. Right. So so he 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 really just doesn't doesn't want to be here. Meanwhile, um uh Sullivan, Martha Sullivan, the CIA agent, uh over in another section of the movie, she's um you know, now she came over here to monitor the Karpov situation, but kind of while she's here, she takes time to say to Bachman, like, hey, what's up with this Abdullah thing you're working on? Yeah. Which is something he doesn't appreciate. He doesn't appreciate, you know, Americans sticking their nose into, like, his operations. And uh, he doesn't he doesn't really want to talk about, but at least in this scene, I think we finally get... The, uh, the pieces of the puzzle we needed to understand what, why Abdullah is important. We've already explained it in this podcast, but like, I feel like if you're watching the movie, I wanted to mention this scene because up till this point, you know, I mean, we saw him, we see him watching surveillance photos of Abdullah, but we haven't been told who Abdullah is. Uh, we got this cryptic information about like uh, the shipping company and weird travel uh, type stuff, and um, just stuff like that. So at least here, I think the audience at least gets to get caught up on like what the situation is with Abdullah. They are uh, back to Karpov. The Germans and the and the well, the Germans mostly are uh, pressuring Bachman to get Karpov off the street, and they give him kind of an ultimatum of you've got like you've got seventy two hours. Yeah, I think it was 72 hours, yeah. 72 hours to do something about this, or we will do something about it. Yeah, and, the, the, the Calvary's coming if you don't. And once again, Sullivan, always the diplomat, kind of like, you know, puts her thumb on the scale in Bachman's favor and kind of says, like, you know, well, maybe maybe you really should listen to this guy. Uh, so again, she's trying, to, she's trying to build up trust with Bachman. Absolutely. Yeah, there's just so many moments where she's just kind of giving the smile and the wink, you know. Very, uh, we're friends here, you know, let's all work together. Under this kind of pressure, Bachman makes later in his office, he, he makes his decision about how he's going to play this. Uh, and he's going to, well, basically, he calls Brew and he says, give Karpov the money. I'm not 100% sure what he's think, what's going on in his head right now as to how he thinks this is going to play out. But essentially, he well, sees... At this, at this point, we know about the, uh, the shipping company from Jamal. And we know that I think Bachman kind of picks up on what kind of guy uh, Karpov is. So we're, we're looking at maybe he's saying we can watch what he does with the money. And we can follow that money because we got we we got Karpov here. That, that's probably what he's thinking. Right. He's he's seeing that if this large sum of money kind of falls into the the system or onto the game board in this way, that somehow Abdullah's going to get wind of it. Uh, I, I I don't know exactly what he's thinking, but his idea is somehow the money is going to get into Abdullah's hands. And Abdullah is, and they're going to be able to follow and pay exact close attention to what happens with that money. And that's how they're going to somehow get proof that he's funneling it to jihadists through the shipping company. 
Right. You know, the, the, the minnow metaphor, we find out. We, we got Karpov, our minnow. And then with the minnow, we're going to catch the barracuda. And with the barracuda, we're going to catch whoever. Right. When Brew meets with Annabelle to tell her that he's, decide, he's changed his mind and has decided to release the funds to Karpov, he makes a minor mistake. Um, I don't want to be too hard on him because he's not, you know, he's not trained in this sort of stuff. But he gives her kind of a cryptic, meaningful, like, listen, be careful. We should all be careful. And, and that kind of freaks her out uh, just a little bit. So if he, was a, if he was a spy, I would give him, like, minus a couple spy points because that wasn't necessary. And it, and it has it has fallout, actually, because she uh, hides. She, she decides that Karpov isn't safe where he is and, and gets him to a place of safety. And along the way... Uh, Karpov notices that they're being tailed by Maxi, who's one of uh, Gunther's team. Uh, so I'm going to give, uh, and they ditch him from the train. Uh, Bachman uh, tries to catch them at the next train station, but they also evade him. They, like, duck into a club and get out of there. So some minus five points for the failure of our highly trained team to uh, keep a tail on these two completely inexperienced people. Yeah, definitely some minus spy points, but some plus spy points on Karpov here. I mean, this guy's an escaped prison, you know, and, and been living off the streets, you know. So we gotta we gotta give him some plus streets, plus points for uh, ditching uh, trained intelligence agency. Here, I think it gets. This is, I think, we're getting into what I think is a little bit of a messy part of the film, in my opinion. Um, okay. Now, the seventy-two hours is up. And Moore moves in and grabs the mother and son that were sheltering Karpov. I don't think we see them again. But I, no, they're they're just gone. Yeah, right. And of course, even if they're being interrogated, they really don't know anything. So no, they're they're just like a sweet family living in like you know the I guess the ghettos. And so uh, so that was completely unwarranted. Yeah, you know, heavy-handed and and had no purpose. Uh, but once again, as an audience, we're being treated to the fact that, like, the, the, the claws of the machine are starting to tighten in around the situation. Yes. Sullivan meets Bachman in a bar, and they talk about the situation. They talk about, this is where we get our exposition about Beirut and stuff. He tells, he tells Sullivan, like, uh, you know, hey, they're, they're moving in, uh, they're doing this stuff. I need you to get more off my back. And he says specifically, I need the lawyer, Annabelle, to be able to move around freely. This is very confusing to me because the very next thing that happens is that um, Bachman's team takes Annabelle off the street. They do a good nab job on her. They catch her when yeah. she's uh, biking around um, in, in the park. And uh, one, of, one of Bachman's team just like pulls up next to her on a bike and says, Annabelle! You know, as if they know each other. Yeah, like their best. She gives her a weird look or something like that. Yeah. It's such a cunning distraction. It completely puts you, like, off guard, right? Uh, when a stranger just comes up and does that to you, and then immediately there's a black hood over over her head. That uh, trope from black behind. hood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, where we're going. Yeah. But uh, th this leads into probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and that's uh, uh, Bachman and Erna. 
Ernest's interrogation of Annabelle. Um, I think we both really, really like this scene. Um, but I'm, I'm going to put this as my number two best tradecraft, uh, mainly because, wait, wait, well, you were, you were like kind of concerned about, you know, because uh, I think it was what, what Bachman's kind of treatment of Annabelle at first. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it seems out of character. It seems out of character. Um, first of all, I was like, this just seems like highly illegal. I mean, they take her off the street and they like put her in a, they take her to like a, a little dark site kind of thing, put her in a cell, and yeah. uh, and you know, he's he's pretty mean and aggressive with her. But as you say, like uh, you know, in a couple beats later, Ernest's gonna come in and play the good cop to Bachman's bad cop. Yeah, and this is this is definitely one of my favorite scenes because you know Bachman walks in and Annabelle throws up her like guns and is like, "I'm an attorney and you can't keep me here and this is illegal." And Bachman's like, he kind of gives her a little push. He's like, "Shut the fuck up, you know, attorney, turning my ass, you know, you're a social worker for terrorists and blah blah blah." You know, he's like total dick. You're, you're definitely right because up until this point, we've seen Bachman in this kind of like noble guy walking around like doing his job you know being like kind of a, a nice dude kind of like a brotherly or a fatherly figure to a lot of these other characters and now he's just coming in like swinging the hammer all over the place you know sitting it down like going crazy on her and then we get and then we get erna who walks in and she's all sweet and nice and like you know blah 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 and he's like She's Let's like, specify for a moment who Erna is. She is one of my favorite characters in the movie, possibly my favorite that, that isn't like a, a big name. She is Bachman's right-hand woman. Yeah, she's kind of like a first mate, right, on, on yeah. the that, that Bachman's sailing. Yeah, their team, I think their team is about six people, but uh, her and Bachman are the two leaders. They're the captains. He's, he's technically in charge, but she's like seems to be almost equal with him and um she's very she's like i love her because like she's everything that bachman isn't she's very poised very collected uh i think um before when the when the cia agent sullivan was first introduced to them um uh-huh. there was something about uh he said he he says something about like I don't know. It's something about him having a really bad reputation, but that she makes up for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> having a really good reputation, and um, yeah. So again, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail you, but uh, oh, no, not at all. I, I I think it's great. You know, I completely agree with you. I, I I love her character. You know, she's kind of you know. We did did we even bring up the kiss? I think that's one of your. Uh, that was earlier, huh? I'll be happy. I'll be happy to mention that now. Um, just since we we just like mentioned the team. Also, yeah. I just I just love this team. Um, it's a good team. There are other four people. There's like several people that don't even have lines, but just every time they show up in frame somewhere, they're yeah. they're. I don't know what it is about them. They just look like they're operating so smoothly. Yeah, and it was the one guy. That's the sniper from Inglorious Bastards. What's his name? Uh, oh, that guy, Maxie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maxie. Yeah, he's he's kind of he's the one that puts the hood on Annabelle. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. He's if, a great actor. If, if if this team had a had a Tom Cruise guy in it, like Maxie would be the Tom. Cruise. 
He's he's like yeah. the, he's he's like the I don't want to say the muscle because he's not like a heavy, but uh, he's he's like the the action the action yeah. star of the team. He, he does the tech. He does the muscle. He does the note passing. Like yeah, he's kind of like the dude, you know, uh, hitting the pavement type of thing. Whereas Annabelle's kind of like you know the XO or like the 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 first mate, you know, uh, you know, working working with Bachman trying to like be his counterpart. You know what I mean? That like you know that he can really rely on type of thing. Sure, and you know there are little little scenes just like when uh, let's see there was a guy along the way of like tracking Karpov down in the first place. Like they had to they saw him like passing a note to some scrawny guy in a bus station, and then they were tailing the scrawny guy, and that's how they like you know developed some more information. But you know when when they're uh, following him, like Maxie and one of the female agents are like off in the corner of the bar, and just kind of she's got her arm like draped around him and they're just looking like they're just having a little you know just a little romantic interlude and uh just just very smooth back to erna and uh bachman and the kiss that you're uh referencing though yeah they do a thing where uh, bachman and erna are across the street and as annabelle's as annabelle is coming out of the hotel they just i mean at first, they're just standing there like next to each other just on the street talking uh-huh. or doing whatever. But as soon as she comes out and is about to pass them, they just immediately like turn toward each other, put their arms around each other and like go into a thing to look like they're making out. Yeah, that was super cute. And, and then uh, as as she like has passed out of uh you know, their field of view or whatever, they just completely like detach. And they do it like so thoughtlessly and effortlessly as if they've practiced it you know, a million times. And, yeah, and... It's kind of, it gives us a little bit of, uh, you know, there's probably, there might be something there, but not quite, you know. They, I like... They, they know yeah. each other. They know they play well with each other. They, you know, they're, they're like a top-tier team, you know, type of thing. It's it's not like, it's not like, even though he's like the head in the organization, like it's like they're, they're, they know each other so well. And, and that's why I think it's really important for this scene specifically, because they play the mom and dad on Annabelle pretty much. Yeah. Right, yeah, they do, they do. And, uh, yeah, as far as there being something between them, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's romantic, even though at one point he jokes with her, uh, you know, uh, she, he, she says, like, oh, she's pretty, and he says, not my type, and she says, well, what is your type? And he's like, you are, you know that. Yeah, 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 it's like, that was the, yeah, that was the kiss where they were, like, you know, faking the kiss in front of everybody. I, I, I thought that was such a cute scene. And a really subtle Part of it, too, that, that I noticed and liked a lot is even after they disengage, though, she leaves her hand against his back. Yeah. Like, just, just a little, like, reassuring touch. But it's it doesn't... A, there, might, there might be something, but it's not, like, a focus of our story. We don't get a love, uh, uh, a love scene or a love romance with, you know, other than... Well, yeah, that's kind of later. But it's, I, think it's, I think it's a case of, of a man and a woman who work together very well and have for a long time and know each other very well and have a deep affection for each other that yeah. is not sexual. Oh yeah. No, no, that's what I'm kind of saying. It's not really there. It, it, it might be, but you know, it's more of like, we know each other, we care about each other. Maybe something could, but like, like I was saying, I think a lot of our characters are married to their careers in, in this, in this type of film. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just a lot of individuals. 
there's a there's a later scene that I want to bring up now, which is uh, one of the very tense scenes, like right before the climax of the movie, uh-huh. where they're it's they're basically I mean we'll get to it, but they're basically like waiting to see if the mouse will take the cheese, you know, and they've built up a, a whole they put a whole bunch of work into this operation, and this is the moment. This is the moment. The plan is going to work or it isn't. And we see Maxi Bachman and Erna in the van, you know, their, their surveillance van, uh, listening and watching in through their, their secret cameras. And they all look different levels of tense over this. Actually, Bachman doesn't look that tense. He looks like he, he knows this is going to go down. Okay. Maxi looks like kind of wound up. She is on the edge of her seat. She's got her, her hands over her mouth, you know, like, like, <laughs> like she's, the way that Bachman like reaches out and puts his, his hand on her shoulder to steady her. And he's, he's almost like, doesn't even like look over at her. He just, he just instinctively knows how much that she is like personally involved in, and, and at stake and tense in this moment. And he just knows to just give her just that little bit of reassurance. Yeah. I don't know. It's subtle, but it's it's just good. And uh, before we move off of uh, Erna Bachman and the team, um, for certain reasons, the way the movie plays out, we wouldn't be able to have this. But like, if this was a franchise, the team of Bachman and Erna, I would watch. A, I would watch ten movies with these two. Oh, absolutely. Maybe bring absolutely. her a little a little bit forward and give her like uh, you know more lines. And yeah, stuff, yeah. but uh, just their chemistry on screen is is so subtle, but so just fucking excellent. Yeah, she's definitely on his level as an actress. Like, you know, like we, I mean, we all know PSH is an amazing actor, and like she she definitely brings brings the presence that he has. Like, she is definitely not overshadowed by him, like whatsoever. Like, she she brings it, and, and like I, I mean, like well, everybody in this movie is fantastic. Everybody from the from the top level talent to the to the mid level talent to just the people that like like don't even have lines and are just like kind of working in the background. Everybody's so good. Yeah, this was, movie could not be better acted. There's, yeah. I mean, just period. No, 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 no. And I mean, it's you know, it's kind of sad to say. I mean, this was Philip Seymour Hoffman's last film, so it's just it's it, it's just nice to see a performance like this. Like I don't. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of last films that were kind of like meh, you know. And th- this was a really powerful performance from him. I mean, yeah, it's not, this is one I'm not going to be proud of. I saw some people saying he wasn't a uh, convincing German, but I say fuck you. Yeah, I mean, like, all right, whatever. Like, I mean, his accent wasn't like uh, J Law in uh, what Red Sparrow. You know, like as much as I love J Law, she's an amazing actress. But like, dude, his accent wasn't terrible. It was weird seeing him with an accent. You know, but it definitely wasn't K-19. Let's put it like that, where you have Harrison Ford and, and uh, uh, you know, like, like a bunch of British actors, uh, like, just, like, pretending Russian accents. It was, it was, oh, that was, that was, it was a good movie with, like, god-awful accents, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, but, I mean, back to this interrogation scene. You got it. Yeah, but we, we got to get back to this because I, I, I can't even begin to talk about how much I love how they both played the good cop, bad cop. And and I think I think our whole derailment was actually really good for this because we really set up like this, like mom and dad type of relationship where they just know 
what each other's thinking. You know, they don't even have to really talk about it. They just kind of like know already. And and Erna just walks in with pizza and some soda after like, you know, Bachman's like 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 showing his teeth and stuff. And Erna walks in and she's like like you know really nice and sweet whatever. And 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 the, this is this is the real big point that I think really starts to get the ball rolling with Annabelle or get starts thinking. She's like, look at look look. There are people out there looking car pop and they want to take him to jail and they want to hurt him they want to do bad things to him and there's a difference between us and them we want to help him you know the very mother like like you know bachman shows up like pushing her around screaming at her demeaning her career and her like you know like we're, we're talking to a person that like is is like kind of of a like a charity type a do-gooder type she's trying to protect he calls her a social worker for terrorists yeah yeah like he completely demeans her and then we have like erna walk in very sweet very calm very like look 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 i know look i know you don't you know you're in a tough situation like blah 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 like look you gotta understand there are people out there that want to hurt him we want to help him right there's a big difference between them and us we are the ones that are trying to help him. And and she kind of puts that thought in Annabelle's head, then like leaves the room and they kind of, you know, do the, the the quintessential wait, watch her on the camera some more. And then in walks Bachman. And now he's kind of lightened up his tone, you know, but he's still kind of like mean, you know, he's still, he's like closing the deal. You know, we got that, that last salesman to get the clothes, you know what I mean? Type of situation. And he, and he brings up, that when his men came to pick her up, that she didn't really put up a fight. Yeah, she screamed a little bit, yeah, but overall, she kind of was kind of chill throughout the ride. And, and so he kind of brings it to attention. He's like, you wanted to get caught. Like, you know that this is way above your head, that you want to help, you really want to help Issa, and I and and you realize you can't like you can't handle what's on your plate, and that you were begging for someone to come in and help you out type of situation, you know. And and you were just like begging someone to come take this out of your hands, and you just know we can't help. You can't help, but we can help, you know. Type of situation. It's it's and then and here's the big kicker. This is the big kicker. We both know he's innocent. This is what Bachman says to her. We both know he's innocent, you know. So. Which I have a question of whether or not, like whether or not he knows that and how he knows that, or mm -hmm. if he knows that. It could just be something that he's saying. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this could be just his ruse. He knows, you know, he's he's already judged her as character. Like you were saying earlier, you know, this is an end game type of guy. He didn't come pick her up immediately when he met with Karpov. He, you know, he didn't he didn't pick up Karpov. He he picked up the banker. That was his chess play, right? So now that they've picked her up, they picked her up because they have an opportunity to take. And and so it could have just been a ruse. But, you know, this goes back to what we'll talk about later. Does it really matter that he's innocent? What matters is right now, this is the play. He's coming in and he's like, we both know he's innocent. So he's already kind of gauged Annabelle what her motives are. Her motives are, as an attorney, like we've discussed, this is all about conflicts of interest, conflicts of approach, conflicts of like uh, motive and stuff like that and 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 he's gauged her as an attorney that cares about her clients has some sort of 
identified with this guy that this guy really cares or that she really believes him. So whether or not he is innocent, this is the play here. We both know he's innocent. We want to help him. You don't have the resources to help him. We have the resources to help him. And And ultimately... She makes, I mean, they let her make the decision on her own. There's, there's a point, you know, after a while, they, they leave her alone. They let her stew with it. And then she gets off the cot and she goes to the door and knocks on it. And that's, you know, signals to us that she's ready to cooperate. Right. You know, and it's like, and, and it, again, this just shows you the level of chess play we have with Bachman. All right. I like it. Yeah. And, and this is why I put my number two best tradecraft is, is this like, like, you know, and, 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 I, and I'm really glad that you derailed us on this because it really, really set the stage for this, like, mom and dad relationship dealing with Annabelle. You know, not that Annabelle's like a daughter naive type of character. She She's definitely like a woman of her own, like an attorney that's like, like out there to do good, to take care of these refugees. And she just kind of fell into this situation. And and she wants to help, and she doesn't have the means to help. And Bachman knows it, and he's playing that. that he's 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 calling check. You know, he's played his piece. He's like, check. I think I think we got it. I think we I think we could move on. Okay, okay. Uh, so now with Annabelle's cooperation, um, she gets Karpov out of his. Uh, uh, the place she took him to is like an unfinished apartment somewhere. Um, but, uh, obviously she reveals to them Karpov's location and she kind of distracts him long enough for them to send the team in to wire the whole place up for uh, video and sound so that they can keep an eye on him. David, let me ask you a question. What's that, buddy? Why do we do what we do? You ever think about that? Why, why do we do what we do? To make the world a better place. That question, that question, that why do we do what we do? That's a that's kind of a, a cool spy movie trope, in my opinion. Oh, you know, absolutely. It's, it's not in all spy movies, but you know, in a lot of them, there's those scenes. You know, especially with these uh, John Le Carre kind of uh, you know spy movies, like you know the the haggard, world weary. I've seen we've we've seen too much. What's it all mean, David? And What's we the get of it all. Are we really helping? Are we really doing anything? And we get one of those scenes here in another uh, meeting between uh, Bachman and Sullivan, and she's the one, as you said, as you just said, that says uh, gives him the answer, making the world a better place, Sa- safer place, better place. I think it's safer. Better place. Really? Maybe is it safer? Ooh. Mora, can you tell us what the correct line is for that? The correct line is to make the world a safer place. Thank you. And I think I think that was your number one best tradecraft, was it not? Well, that was your number one, too. Was this uh, whole scene? My this... number one's a little different. Your number one is her using that cheesy fucking line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I think we should both talk about this because we both pulled number ones out of this, and I think it's because this whole scene is the number one. Uh, it's it, like I, I think we're both keying in on... It's part of a, it's it's part of a broader number one for the whole movie. I think we agree, but I think we we Absolutely. put the pin in this yeah. part because you like the fact that she uses that cheesy line on him. Yeah, I like I like even more. And my number one, and my I'm 
not afraid to call this plus 50 spy points. She tells him, it was, you know, Beirut, that was our fault. She tells him that the CIA fucked up and is the reason that his whole operation was blown and that he lost all those agents. Yep. And, and she's been working hard to get his trust. And he's just like holding on this grudge and blah, blah, blah. And he's got this huge past. Man, I told totally- you. This is where I think she sticks the landing. Because you know what? I don't think it's true. Oh, no. Oh, I, I think I think the audience, I don't think, I, I, we all know she's already set up as somebody that you can't really trust. And she's got that car sales mini, you know, that, that like, uh, hey, buddy, buddy type of feel to her. And uh, I mean, like, I think, I, I mean, like, I, we both agree this is this is the big spycraft moment from the CIA that 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 she's won over the trust of Bachman. I think yeah. it's a bold. I think I think it's a bold play. And also, I don't care if it's true or not. Either way, her telling him that is like like I said, sticking the landing. There's yeah. like there's almost no, I can't imagine anything else that she could say to him. Uh, yeah, but, that that would. But this is where I think you're. you're I, I think she maybe had like set up course, spotted the the landing, like the the the. The, the the what is that called? The, in the planes when they land, shit. I'm sorry, I fucked that up. Uh, the landing strip. <laughs> yeah, the landing strip. I think she 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 found the landing strip here, you know. But what really closes the deal? What really like hits the wheels? It, like we've 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 hit ground and we're about to like, you know, get get the gate closed and 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 let people off the plane. She knows he's a good man. And a man of honor and a man that wants to do the right thing. And after she's like loosened him up, she like she like got the rocks out of the ground with the it was our fault, you know? She got his attention. She she kind of like pulled out the weeds, softened up that heart of his type of thing, you know, opened him up. But what I think really what 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 nailed it was when she's just like when he asks her, why do we do this? You know, and she's like, to make the world a better place or a safer place, as uh, uh, Myra uh, corrected us with, uh, she is correct. She has correctly assessed the source of his pain and his weariness, um, and his motives, and yeah, 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 and and, and, and doing so- it, doing it in this way, she's 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 just showing enormous empathy, you know, um, and it's yeah, it's great, it's great. It's pretty cold, as we'll find out later. But, <laughs> it's fucking stone cold. Stone cold. But, uh, yeah, we, we both see this whole scene as our number one best tradecraft. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no question. So, back to the operation. Uh, this part drags out for me a bit. Uh, the surveillance of Karpov, I still don't get, and I don't think... Uh, I mean, you could try, but... I don't think you can make a solid case that Bachman actually, I mean, it looks like he knows what he's doing, but when I really pry around the edges, I just, I just don't get it. They're just watching Karpov just being alone and in pain, you know, crying about, and I don't, I don't mean to like uh, be unsympathetic. He's had a horrible life. I mean, he's been tortured. He's been jailed. He's been possibly falsely imprisoned and accused of, of being a terrorist, which he very well might not be. 
Um, his mother, it turns out, was a 15-year-old rape victim of his Russian general father uh-huh. uh, who died giving birth to him. I mean, he's he's horribly, like, tortured and, and alone and scared. And um, I, I, I see... Okay, now, we're, we're going to find out what happens... Now they kind of they kind of uh, they kind of have Annabelle put the bug in his head or put the idea in his head of you know well actually I don't forget either he comes to the conclusion that he doesn't want the money uh huh he comes to that conclusion on his own right. and I think she has been prepared or she subsequently gets prepared to suggest to him well you know what. Maybe you could do good with that money. Maybe you could give it to charity. Yeah, Maybe you she, give it she to... Doesn't, she plant, he doesn't want the money, but she's the one that plants the idea, and it, probably by Bachman's chess play here, uh, to use it for a good cause. You know, we got a tortured soul here that is kind of... Orphaned. It could still, That money could go to hospitals in Chechnya. That money could help... Um, Chechen charities. It could help Muslims Muslim, that are in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's more looking to, for the Muslim cause, and and part of that helps the Chechnyans. But I think he's going down the spiritual road to give to cleanse the money. He says cleaning the money. I think it, like a twice or two or three times or something like that, where he wants to wash this money. Which is funny because we have Brew, who's like this like hotshot banker that like launders money, and and we have. We have this this Chechnyan refugee, escapee, you know, transient who's like like a devoted believer who really wants to wash the money in a in a more liter uh, more uh, spiritual sense versus like a laundering type of sense. Like I, th- I think the contrast was actually pretty cool. Like you know that that whole setup between the two of them between Brooklyn I'm still I'm still going with this as my number 3 worst tradecraft of the movie and I'm not blaming in in this case I'm not blaming any particular character for like screwing up mm-hmm. um, just kind of the movie in general like in retrospect I see how it all works out he Karpov has plenty of reasons to come to a conclusion that he doesn't want the money Annabelle is the perfect person to be in a position to suggest that you could do good with that money because that's what she's all about. Right. Um, it all plays very nicely into Bachman's plans to try to entrap Abdullah and get the dirt on him that he's funneling money to jihadists. But the reason I give it my number three trade worst tradecraft of the movie is I just think it's incredibly unclear how Bachman was... Uh, trying to get all this to happen. Like, like when he first, it goes back to his first decision to like, uh, tell brew to give Karpov the money. Like, I'm like, okay, that's good. But what do you do after that? It's almost like the movie. If you look at it closely, it, it, it kind of, uh, asks you to think that, um, Bachman was almost psychic. Because yeah, he has he has plenty of opportunity to assess Brew. He has plenty of opportunity to assess Annabelle, but he doesn't really know who Karpov is. They never meet. They never talk. No, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he gets the gauge of her problem. 
gauge of him probably from Annabelle. Annabelle is dedicated to helping him. So we're 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 probably seeing that this guy is trying to make amends at some point, you know. But you're right; it's it's kind of a weird play. From there, though, I'm going to move to my number two best tradecraft uh, in the film. And what what's going to happen here is uh, okay. So they make this decision: we're going to get the money from the banker, and we're going to give it to Abdullah to do good in the world, to go to Chechen charities and, and help refugees and, and survivors of the traumatic things that are happening there. That's all really great. And what I love about it, and this is why it's my number two best tradecraft in the movie, Bachman knows that Abdullah is very careful, which we see in the way that he vets Karpov. When Karpov and Abdullah meet, Abdullah, I mean, he's, well, Abdullah is suspicious in the first place, just even when Tommy Brew approaches him. Like, you know, three three hundred million euros. Yeah, like, this is a whole. This, yeah, like where's this, this coming from, and why yeah, should this, I trust you? Yeah, that's and, a big number. That's that's like uh, will get anybody's attention. So we yeah we kind of we 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 kind of see that Abdullah is not a stupid guy. I mean, he's, he's a professor. Not. Yeah, he, he, we're talking to like about a cultural icon here. He, he he probably has been around the block a couple of times. Yes, he's he's been doing it for a long time. Um, so, given that Abdullah is so like suspicious and even is like, uh, you know, needs to really like meet Karpov and look into his eyes and really assess his soul before he makes the decision to accept this money, this is why it's the number two best tradecraft because the bait needed to be a true innocent. The way that Karpov, like, set this up, you know, I mean, he could have, this whole time, right, he could have just had Maxi fucking show up at Abdullah's house and say, hey, I got 300 million euros for you. I want to give it to Chechen charities, right? Abdullah's going to be like, get the fuck out of here, you German spy. (laughs) I ain't no dummy. But, so, but then, wait, Wait, no, but then they could have gotten uh, a, a, a Muslim, a Middle Eastern appearing person, an agent, could have uh, come up with a backstory, with a cover story about this, like, tortured life that he's led and, right. uh, you know, came into possession of all this dirty money that now he wants to uh, do good in the world. Abdullah's going to look that guy in the eyes and say... Get out of here, you German spy! Yeah, exactly. Just like immediately. He could snuff them out immediately. But he can't resist, he can't distrust this because the fact of the matter is the bait is... Genuine. It's Yeah, it's genuine. It's legit. It is actually dirty money coming to uh, a devout Muslim young man to a devout Muslim who donates to, you know... Who has like, suffered greatly yeah. uh, uh, because of the turmoil in his home country and sees an opportunity to do something good and and be right with God and to somehow uh, relieve some of his own pain and suffering through this generous act. It's legit. It's real. But Bachman put the pieces in the on uh, the puzzle together to make that happen. I love it. Number two, but best tradecraft in the movie. That's definitely a good one. 
it's true. it would be close to number one if it wasn't for we all know what number one has to be. Yeah, but there's no yeah, there's no question, no question. Such a long chess play, you know, from 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 America. You know what I mean? You know, de definitely uh, an example of the the cream of the crop agent uh, plays. So all the pieces are in place, and we're ready to move to our finale. And this is the final like sting operation. We're gonna uh, we're gonna let we're gonna let Abdullah have the money from the account. And the idea is, uh, Bachman explains like that if his theory is correct, uh, some of that money is gonna get siphoned to the Seven Brothers Shipping Company. And he needs to run this uh, this final operation past some higher ups, and they need to go to Berlin for that, which they do. Uh, I figured out it was Berlin because when they walk into the building, and here uh, again, like remember, like uh, he had his uh, kind of higher ups that he needed to keep in the loop um, in in Hamburg with that guy Moore. But uh, he didn't necessarily, like, report to them. Here in Berlin, he's actually, like, reporting to, like, legitimate higher-ups that could tell him, like, no, you can't do that, or yes, you can do that. And the place they go to, uh, the sign on the, um, on the, that they, they go through, like, as they're walking into the lobby, uh, my, you know, I hate trying to pronounce German stuff, but Bundesministerium des Innern which is the Federal Ministry of the Interior Building and Community. And I did check this out, and it totally checks out. This is exactly the people that are in charge of internal security uh, for Germany. These are the people that are uh, in charge of making sure that terrorist plots don't go down within the borders of Germany. Real quick little quibble. They helicoptered in. And I don't know what inspired me to do this, but I, I looked up, like, uh, the distance from Hamburg to Berlin just because I was curious. And there's actually, like, a high-speed train that they could have gotten there in an hour and 45 minutes. I think taking the train would have been faster than taking the helicopter. Really? Well, if you count the amount of time that – I mean, unless the helicopter actually, like – flies to your apartment and picks you up off the street. Yeah. Like well, you, you have to get a ta you have to get a taxi to take you to the airport to get in the helicopter and then fly over and then drive from the that airport to the ministry and I just think, you know, honestly the the train I don't know why I looked it up, but the train, I think, overall, just would have been faster. It's an hour and 45 minutes. That is not uh, that is not a long distance. But you know what? Helicopter landings are very dramatic, especially yeah. when you get, <laughs> especially, especially in espionage movies. You know, a helicopter landing makes it look is, serious. It tells you immediately this is serious. <laughs> You know, they, it could have been a security thing. You know, if you have them on the train, they could have been stopped. You know, in a helicopter, you go from point A to point B. There's no going up and down. There's no going in curves type of thing. You know, but yeah, you're right. They, they, no, I, I didn't even think about that. That definitely was off my radar. Now, here we get our uh, our 
classic and, and you know see it in the trailer and i know you have some some notes on it but uh what is it minnow barracuda shark what's that about bachman describes his kind of chess strategy here that you know we found a minnow we're going to use the minnow to catch the barracuda and the barracuda in this analogy is abdullah our minnow is uh isa karpov and uh there's actually like a actually kind of comedic scene um that wasn't in this cut that we saw uh, but this is the return back to that. And he's in the middle of this, you know, serious forum telling this metaphor. And once again, you know, we have this character that does is kind of like confused. Like he's like, I don't fish. Type oh, of yeah, that was a good line. Yeah. They don't like a lot of this. They don't like the idea that, you know, uh, Karpov isn't going to be taken off the street. They don't like the idea that this money might uh, actually end up in... Because if Bachman's plan works out, terrorists get some money, right? Yeah, and they can do stuff with that money. Yeah. Um, but he's, he, he says it's worth it because we're going to fish up the chain. We're going to fish up the food chain and, and, and get our sharks, which is w- what we want. We want the sharks. Remember, yeah. and he explained this, he explained this to Martha, too. Like, there was a, one of their, one of their scenes. Our earlier you know? scene. It was, our, it was our number one tradecraft scene. We discussed well, it. Was, it was an it was an earlier scene, but in one of the many you know scenes where they have their discussions is where he like really laid out his uh, theory of the case, which is really like kind of the point, the spy point of the movie, which is that uh, you know we were talking about. I loved our whack a mole um, explanation earlier, but he says like, what happens when you just when you just jump in and grab the first uh, enemy that you see on the board? You just leave a hole, and someone else fills that hole. Someone else, you I know. Think he, I think he said, like, fill the void. Yeah. Yeah. Fills fills the void, and you don't know who that person is. If you just, like, take Abdullah off the board, then there's going to be another Abdullah. But now you have no idea who that is, and you're starting over from zero. Um, but that's his theory of the case that he's making, and... I'm going to talk real quick about this werewolf game that we played once. And uh, it, was at, it was at StratCon. I was a werewolf. Well, all right. So what, why don't you discuss what werewolf is? Because I don't think we've told our audience this game and why we love this game so much. Good call. Werewolf, it's also known as Mafia. It's a, it's a game of social deduction where you have a large group of people. At StratCon, we play with huge groups of people, like 20, 30 people. And a certain number of us are werewolves. But nobody knows that except us. And you're trying to you're trying to kill all the vill- the werewolves are trying to kill all the villagers. The villagers are trying to figure out who the werewolves are, and it's done through a, a bunch of uh, discussion and voting, basically. In this yeah, case, kind of like a like a village mentality, you know. Yes. Like, yeah. In this case, in this case, and also, I mean, the werewolves are trying to throw suspicion onto innocent villagers because if the villagers accidentally lynch an innocent then that makes the werewolves' job easier. It moves them one... They get two kills per per round. Yeah, it moves them one point closer to victory, is basically how it works. In this case, I was a werewolf. And as happens in these games, suspicion had fallen onto me. And the whole village was... People were throwing accusations against me, saying, that guy's a werewolf. Uh, People were explaining their reasoning of why they thought I was a werewolf. And I was allowed to make, like, my final defense, my impassioned plea, 
my my this is my time because they're just about to vote to kill me or not kill me and I don't want to be killed and I make my case of why I am definitely a trusted villager definitely not a dirty werewolf and I give it my all and I put my my best lying face on it and and make my case as best as possible and then they're just about to make the vote and Craig a friend of ours he says wait a second I have one last question for you and I can't believe you did this I asked him later and he said I don't know what I was doing <laughs> and he just says he says I have one last question for you Todd are you a werewolf and I just stared at him I didn't I it came so out of left field I wasn't prepared for that question that it was over. It was over for me because, you know, just the look of, I don't know how to answer that when obviously the answer should have been no. (laughs) (laughs) But he he fucked it up in my head. And of course I was immediately lynched. Why do I bring this up? Because he's made his case to the German higher ups and they say, what is, okay. Last thing, last question. They turn to Martha they say, Martha, what is the American perspective on this? And she says, I just have one question. What's the end game on this? Yep. He looks back at her. Cinematically, it works because, again, she's gotten into his head and he thinks he can trust her. Mm-hmm. And she, he throws, he just sure. throws her back her cheesy ass fucking line from before that to make her a safer place. So it looks like they're having a moment. They're not having a moment. He just fucked up. This is my number one worst tradecraft. I think he totally fucked up here. I think when you ask that question and you give that cheese ball of an answer, that convinces no one. Especially in this forum. Because we, we've, we've, I mean, like, it's already a pretty intense forum uh, meeting with these, like, you know, big players on it. They don't like this idea. They don't like this plan. No, they don't already like it. And she's asking him for a professional answer. You know, that, that, that answer that's going to be like, oh, we're going to do X that's going to yield X that's going to, like, uh, profit X or whatever it is. Like, give us some objectives. Give us some numbers. You know, and he's 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 spouting off this like story narrative to these guys. Well, this this whole community of like geopolitical players, and they don't like that answer. Worst answer ever. And it's and I, a I, sappy, it's a sappy, sentimental answer. And honestly, I think it's even possible that if he hadn't, I think maybe that's the final nail in his coffin. And and right after this, I think we're gonna accelerate to the end because we're spoiling the shit out of this. Yeah. Is that it's possible that if he hadn't given that sappy, sentimental answer, maybe she wouldn't have betrayed him. But well, maybe that... Think about that. I always kind of consider her like... Maybe, this maybe that was the proof that she needed that... Or at least... Too naive. The, that he's too naive. Yeah, yeah. In her mind. In her mind. Yeah. He's too, he's too naive. He's not doing real politic. He doesn't correctly understand the threat. He doesn't understand that you don't well, win he this with happy sentimental answers. You win it with cold, hard facts and strategy. Yeah, he's not winning the game. This guy's playing chess here. 
you know, and uh, they're playing politics. So let's race ahead. Let's race ahead to the to the denouement. They get the they they have the they approve the operation. The operation goes through. Um, the whole thing hinges on whether or not Abdullah will make a substitution of one of the listed charities to the Seven Brothers Shipping Company. He does that. They got him. They got him. Bachman's plan has worked. All this work that he's done, all this chess that he's played, it is about to pay off. Real quick, I do, I will give, uh, let's see, uh, well, I don't know if I want to give spy points, but notice too, like, uh, I love the fact that at that point, Bachman is going to pick Abdullah up himself. This is the first time that he's really stepped forward and taken, like, taken point um, on the missions. Usually, like, in previous, in throughout the movie, usually if someone needed to be picked up, you'd send Maxi to pick him up, you know? You'd yeah. send Erna, you'd send Redhead or something. But no, they're going to, uh, they're going to have Jamal uh, pretend that he's stuck in traffic and that he can't pick his father up. And so they'll arrange a taxi for Abdullah instead. And Bachman is going to pose as the taxi driver. And he's going to, he gets Abdullah in the car. They're starting to drive away. And uh, this is, this is all going to be great. And this is when, in the different alternate reality of the movie, this is where Bachman is going to tell Abdullah, we got you. And now let's talk turkey. Yep. But what happens instead, Dave? So after they come out of the door, black vans like just shuffle from every direction. And uh, Bachman's in his taxi cab trying to get out and uh, take his, you know, pick up his guy. And they like hit him and he's stuck and he's surrounded by black vans. Uh, Abdullah's abducted and Isa Karpov is abducted and uh, our hero... This is such a punch in the gut. This is such a punch in the gut. It is. The trap, like, we, we thought we were watching one trap get sprung. Right. And it, immediately, as soon as that trap is sprung, another larger trap gets sprung on the trap. Right. And uh, it's clearly well-planned, well-orchestrated. Those black vans, those operators, they get in and out. I think they're done and gone in, like, 30 fucking seconds, man. Yeah, immediately. They, is, they get their guys, they, they get their guys, they cuff them, they zip tie them, whatever, put them in their trucks, and boom, they're all gone. If this had it's been, no, if this been a born movie, we would have had a car chase here, right? Yes, yeah, we would have had a, yeah, exactly. Exactly, we would have had a car chase, and we did it. You know why? Because you don't need a car chase, and car chases don't actually like happen like that. Car chases are usually some guy that needs some attention like that. No, we're in a we're in a situation where you know it's just everyday buildings, business going on, politics happening, and then all of a sudden, black vans show up, get their guy, and they're out immediately, no questions asked. And uh, I'm actually gonna put my number two worst trade craft on here, and uh, my looks like you got your number two and your number one here. My number two and my number one. Uh, so number two is uh, basically Bachman had not what well, had trusted uh, basically trusted Sullivan's 
word and motive that she really wanted to make the world a better place. And we see this in his character throughout the whole movie. The correct line is to make the world a safer place. Or a safer place. Sorry, Moira. Sorry, everybody. But uh, he, he's, he's, he's really trying to do the greater good. He's trying to make things better. He's not trying to, like, climb the corporate ladder. He's not trying to, to be on, uh, get, get his, his uh, credentials together and his resume up. What he's trying to do is just trying to do the right thing. However, I'm going to give him an enormous amount of minus five points for not thinking that there's a possibility that Sullivan would screw him over, that all these other conflicting organizations would screw him over and not securing ESA. He was given by people's word, and you know I'm a type of guy that like you know word is bond type of thing, you know, and I understand not his, in the spy world, not in the spy world, and that's why I this is my number two. This is and and he already he already saw Beirut, so this is not his like first rodeo. You know what I mean? Like so he should have already been on the like like he should have been walking on eggshells at this point, and so he should have secured Issa. Like he was given word that Isa and Abdullah would be okay and that they could use them, right? But uh, what I think he should have done is secured Isa because there was a lot on the line, you know, especially for a guy like this that cares about somebody's lives. He should have been like, okay, uh, I can see that this attorney legitimately believes that this guy is okay, that he really is just trying to make things better. And uh okay well this guy is my this is this is the this is the guy that i have to protect this guy's like trying to make things better i need to make sure that he's secure coming out of that building and i immediately would have like dragged him out or had somebody show up kind of like our situation with annabelle riding her bicycle where uh homegirl shows up and it's just like hey annabelle you know something like that just get him out go move we're gone like like I, I would have planned an exit strategy so quickly for something like that. Abdullah, he's not important to me. You, you get rid of an Abdullah, all right, fine. We lost, we filled, we we created that void that we discussed earlier. But you know, Abdullah's donating to like, you know, uh, terrorist organizations. You know, fine. I don't care about him. But this this kid that really is just trying to make things like better. He's trying to do things okay. He's trying to get his life over. He's trying to move on with his life. Like I would have secured this. So I'm making that my number two. But my number one worst tradecraft goes back to our entire discussion about this film and conflicting interests and conflicting motives. We already had the preaching from Bachman. You take out the void and that void's gonna be filled. And 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 that's that's going against Sullivan and all of these like geopolitical players. They're all just trying to climb the ladder. They the are Cowboys. all the what? The Cowboys. The Cowboys. The Cowboys. And, you know, month, months ago, there was an interview with Snowden and uh, Joe Rogan on Joe Rogan's podcast. And Snowden brought this exact point up that he was talking about. And, and you know, you, you go and research 9-11 and everybody brings this point up that it was a failure in intelligence. And that failure was in conflict between organizations. And I think that this this is really really I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep banging banging this all over and over and over again because at the beginning of the movie we have that opening text about how it was 
these organizations and their conflicts and they didn't want to share information and they didn't want to deal with each other. And, and Snowden really, 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 really harped on this. He, he seriously, seriously harped on this. He was like, we have these organizations that are working to protect our country. And these organizations aren't sharing information because these organizations are competing over budget, you know, and, and I'm not somebody, you know, like I, I'm not somebody trying to destroy capitalism, you know, I mean, maybe capitalism in its purest form, you know, you know, more of it like a mixed economy type of thing. But this is where capitalism, this, this is where our government organizations really work on is this like idea of climbing that ladder and you climb that ladder by showing results. And those results have to be hard and fast type of thing. It's, it's kind of like, like it's kind of like the the thing of like cops, uh, you know, showing off like how much drugs they like nabbed in a raid. Yeah, when yeah. the drugs are not the problem, it's the cartel that's you know the drugs are not the problem. The drug dealer is not the problem. The drug distributor isn't even really the problem. It's the cartel way it's up the at the cartel. top. We want, we want to catch the, the head of the snake. Yes. You're just chopping off little bits of tail and waving it around like you did something. Yeah, exactly. You you hit the the nail on the head with that one. Absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely hit the nail on the head because th this is why I think this is my worst the worst trade craft. These entire big players across the world, uh, the these people that are making the decisions are only trying to climb the ladder. And um, I mean, like, big ups to Sullivan for for doing a job and climbing that ladder and working really hard at climbing that ladder, being really good at, 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 at uh, being professional and staying on top of things. And, and, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm we're not giving her, we're giving her massive props and right. basically like the, the number one trade crafts that we, that we gave were just like indicative of yes, to her, to yeah, her. She, she, she's so, a very capable person. Very so she gets, she, she gets your number one, she and her ilk get your number one worst tradecraft for what they do, but we both agreed that we're giving her the number one top slot for how smoothly she fucking executed. Yes, exactly, exactly. She 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 played. She she wasn't playing chess. She wasn't playing a game. She was playing politics. You know what I mean? Like we we have Bachman playing chess, a very capable. Very experienced. She was playing. Crazy. What would you call it? Rope a dope? <laughs> no, no, no. She's she's playing politics. That's the game she's playing. He's playing chess. He's a guy that you know. You know, like you know, as much as it pains me, because I'm 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 learning, like very very hardly in my life that like you can't be only this big dreamer that's just going to go out and show up. Like you have to be capable. You have to be experienced. And Bachman is capable and experienced, but he still made the bad decision to trust her. And, 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 and it bit him in the ass. It completely bit him in the ass, but, and, and as smoothly as she played it, as smoothly as she played, it, I, I, I still think it was the wrong decision because they just bit the tail off and like you said, they, they bit the tail off and this snake needs to die or at least be monitored and and be controlled or uh, uh, corralled, I, I guess, would be a better way to, to you know, you're not controlling the snake. You're just going to, like, give it some perimeters type of thing so that you can watch. Because when you pull out, like he said, you pull out, you create this void and now you have to start from scratch. And now they're just all going to have to start from scratch. And 
it doesn't matter to them because they have the resources to start from scratch but it's just a waste of resources and that's why it's by far my number one worst trade craft because it's bad capitalism why are we burning these resources over and over and over and over again for what for what just so we can what get promoted it's it's and, and that's why i brought up the snowden interview because he, he pointed this out very very specifically he was like all these organizations are competing for budget and they have to show results to compete for that budget and they can't play a long game agents please report for debriefing on this operation the director will see you now so now we're going to give our final impressions and star rating uh i'm gonna say this is the second time I've seen this film. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we discussed, this one that we watched was a different cut. Uh, if if we had watched the first cut that I'd seen, I probably... Oh, did you see it in the theater? No, no, no. I saw it. Actually, funny enough, I think it was during the holidays, like a few years ago. Um, you know, I think I was talking about Ma, with my mom and, you know, both me and my mom like spy movies and stuff. And uh, I was just in the mood for it. And this is when I was really getting deep into like watching tons of spy movies that I could. And I discovered that Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, I think we were talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman. And and I found out that his last film was a Jean-Luc Carré adaption spy film. And I was like, we got to watch this. And we like rented it out like on demand or something like that uh through it was time warner at the time prior to spectrum taking over which i'm not going to discuss uh but anyway um my final impressions how do we watch the original cut i probably would have given it a 3.5 uh because they kind of made bachman look kind of like really worse than he did in the cut that we watched watching this new cut i think it was much better played out they made bachman look very capable and he's still lost to the machine. And I think that's the bigger message because really down to the core of this film is about this conflict of organization. And he really like just shoved it out there. 9-11 happened because of a failure in intelligence and it was because of this conflict. Here's a great story about this conflict. So I think I'm gonna jump it up to a 4.5 with this cut that we watched that like pulled out a lot of scenes. Um, because we have this hardworking, noble guy that's doing the things that all of the politicians in the media tells us that we're doing. And then the big players are only really concerned about, I don't know, their future career, I guess. I, I, I don't even know what they're concerned about. We don't have a whole lot of motive. It's very like dry and not really spelled out. So, but I think, I think, I think the message of this movie and the performance of the actors was well done in this cut. So I'm going to give it a 4.5. 4.5 that is high that is high nice 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 um i think i'll be briefer and and maybe take a different direction i'm gonna start with the the if if you just like watching actors act this is a fucking five this is like yeah in in my opinion we talked to we talked previously about the fact it's not just it's not just the top names the middle people are doing amazing work and the people in the background are doing amazing work. Like the, the minor parts, the medium parts, the major parts, they're just everything acting just couldn't be better. Rewatchability is always one of the 
most important things to me uh, when I think about how much I like a movie. Um, again, you know, these star ratings, we're not trying to do professional critic things here. I'm trying to give the star rating of just me personally how much I love this movie. I can't go higher than three, even oh. though, uh, man, it's it's... It's such a solid. It's such a solid movie. It's it's like absolutely worth watching once, but I don't feel like I need to see it again. Um, well, I definitely agree with you on that. I I, I mean, like, I get it. I feel like all of its all of its uh, all of its surprises are surprising the first time, and. You know, I don't know, I just, like, for me personally, like I said, rewatchability is a big thing, you know, like, like, there's movies like Blade Runner, or even, like, you know, again, like, see, like, I would give Starship Troopers, for instance, Starship Troopers is a five for me, because I will watch that movie a hundred more times, I've seen it a hundred <laughs> times, I'll watch it a hundred more times, I love every single fucking thing about that movie, every single beat. I want to see again and again and again and again, even though, ostensibly, Starship Troopers is not as good a movie... Uh, by by I guess a uh, Roger Ebert type standard or right. something, um, but yeah, I I want to see I definitely I want to see more. Uh, is it John John La La? How do you say his name? This author, John well, Lecare. For years, I thought it was John Le Carre, and I thought he was French, but he's a British guy. Maura, can you help us out here with this, please? Searching. The most relevant answer comes from a YouTube video series called Commonly Mispronounced Author Names. Wait, that's a that's an actual YouTube series? That's a that's a real thing? Correct. The name in question is addressed in episode 2 of the video series. My programming is not suited to exact pronunciation, but you might consider it close to the English pronunciation of Hooray. But with a slight trill on the R sound. So like uh John Lake John Lake Carre Carre John Lake Carre That is an audio match of 95.5 accuracy Wow The internet legitimately just fucking terrifies me sometimes I still haven't seen The Spy That Came In From The Cold I still haven't seen uh Tinker Tailor um, but, uh, this movie definitely whets my appetite for those movies. Oh, um, you are in for a big surprise. He has so many. I mean, there's a lot of flops. Like, I wasn't, like, that big on the Taylor from Panama. You know, and I've read a ton of his books. Like, uh, but, dude, you are in a big surprise. Here. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go with a three. Like, definitely, if you, if you like spy movies, fucking watch this one. Do you need to own the DVD and watch it, like, every couple of years? Yeah. Maybe not. Let's talk about Tradecraft. Um, we're going to run down real quick, like, our uh, best and worsts. Um, just reminding you uh, what we said. This is, uh, let's see, all of uh, all of my bests. Uh, my number three best was uh, choosing to apply pressure on Brew. Out of the Karpov to Annabelle to Brew observation, I like the fact that they chose the right target. You know, they waited until a a a target that they could manipulate uh, uh, came into focus. That was good. Uh, my number two, absolutely, 
again, keeping in mind that Abdullah is very careful using a legit piece of bait, not a faked piece of bait. Someone that you could look into his eyes to determine whether or not this guy is telling the truth before you take the bait. And the fact is, that guy is telling the truth. That's my number two. And that very well, very well in many movies would have been my number one. Yeah. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Sullivan making her play of telling Bachman that the Americans are responsible for his biggest source of, of pain and frustration and disillusionment I mean, in his job. It's failure. It's a master. It's a master stroke. It's, you know what? I mean, if we were doing our number one best tradecrafts of all the movies that we've done so far, this might be my number one of this podcast so far. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, okay. All right, what about you? Let's remind us of your uh, top, top tradecrafts. So my number three was gaining Jamal as an asset. Like, we start out and we're learning that Bachman's target of uh, surveillance is Abdullah, and Bachman gains his son as an asset. That's a huge, huge gain. Huge gain. And I, I'm, I know it wouldn't have worked in the story that we're telling, but I, I would have loved to see that flip. I would have loved to see it. But, I mean, we really didn't need to see it because we saw how fatherly, I guess, uh, Bachman was. So, yeah. Uh, and then my number two is uh, Gunter and Erna's interrogation. I think we, we hit that in a lot of detail, and I, I don't think I really need to explain myself on that one because that was really, really good. Uh, and then my number one... Uh, as as uh, Todd and I both agree, probably the best tradecraft scene in the movie was Sullivan uh, gaining Gunter Bachman's trust, and uh, I think her 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 like nail in the coffin, her uh, closing the sale was making the world a safer place, as I've been corrected. Uh, yeah, but let's let's move on to the worst. You know you what, what what are what are our tradecraft don'ts here? Let's uh, let's. Let's let's hear it. All right. So my number three was the the, the Moore scene. Uh, you know, the guy that's kind of we're still not really sure who he was, but he was, I guess, the head of anti-terrorism or maybe a bigger intelligence agency. Calls this guy a clown. This is a guy that he has to work with, who's a big arm. You know, he's he's the guy that calls the the guns in. That's somebody you don't want to piss off, and like just kind of like shitting on him is probably not the best move. Uh, especially somebody hoarding, uh, heading an organization. Um, and then my number two is, uh, like I said, like I said, I want to real, real quick though. I want to note that your, uh, your number three worst tradecraft fits nicely in contrast with your number one best because, uh, like, like we, we mentioned before, like the way that Bachman treats more is dismissive How- and not uh, not friendly, not diplomatic, right? Kind of an asshole move. And then just compare that to the way Sullivan treats Bachman. Yeah, she she is dedicated to making could, him. He could take he could take a page from her book. Yes, I I, 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 I no, no, no I want I want to I want to support what you're saying. I completely agree with you. You know, and that's that's like I'm saying. Like I definitely am a Bachman type. 
And, uh, you know, this is a great learning experience for anybody that it's, it's you got to, yeah, you got to stick to, you know, uh, I guess your principles uh, to, 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 to quote in Bruges. Uh, but, you know, like he didn't, he didn't see how to execute his principles. And you so don't I, need, you don't need to antagonize people that you might need to believe you later for sure. Right. right. And, and, and even though Sullivan's portrayed as this cold hearted, you know, corporate ladder climber, uh, he could learn a lesson from her. Anyway, my number two, sorry to derail us. Hit it. Uh, Gunter and uh, not securing Issa. This is a guy that wants to make the world a safer place. Uh, and um, he's trying to protect good, or quote unquote, good people. And uh, Issa is the guy that's trying to make amends and make himself better. And I, I, I to, to be honest, I, I would have not pulled, I, I that happened but you know that's part of the story uh and again blockman's moves are some good lesson learned uh my number one is the fact that like we have these amazing corporate ladder climbers that are really good at their job and they're still missing the point of their jobs and probably had should have followed followed buckman's advice you know, and, and this goes back to my point that I'm a hammer in conflict of motive, conflict of interest, conflict of uh, strategy. Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. You covered you covered that at length. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with my worst. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. My number three worst. What does the team want from Karpov? I just think that like when they're when they're watching him like over a long period of time. I, I, I don't see it. It, it just felt sloppy. I, I don't want to go too much into that. Number two, Bachman just told Sullivan that he needs the lawyer to be able to move around freely. And the very next thing he does is order his team to take her off the street. It's just a little weak. I, you know what? I struggled to find worse tradecraft in this movie. I really did. I did too. There was I really good tradecraft in this movie. I didn't though when I when I found my number one, I didn't struggle. I didn't struggle. I'm going back and you know, I, I played it out with that whole fucking werewolf example. That was a great because, example, by the way. I love they, that you brought werewolf well, into a podcast because you and I both love werewolves so much. Like so so much. And and it's just a great game that I think anybody can learn from. But when I landed on this as a possible like piece of weak tradecraft, I immediately became morally certain this is my number one worst thing. I think he answered the question incorrectly. He exposed his soft belly. He revealed himself as a too, uh, what's the word? Help me out here. Idealistic. Yeah, too that's idealistic. That's it, that's when a... what he needed to what he needed to do to seal the deal in that room was continue. Up until then, he was doing great, just like I was that's when I was fantastic. defending myself against the villagers. 
Up until then, he was saying everything right. And then this final question gets asked of him, and he fucking whiffs it. Oh, man. Yeah. That was... That was... The end of this movie is so depressing, but it's such a great lesson. I think redaction. Great... So, the, so the full redaction. Again, a redaction rating works kind of the opposite of a star rating. Star rating, high is good. Redaction rating, low is good. The idea being that if you see a movie like Spy Kids or Austin Powers, you know that this is complete bullshit. You're not getting any real information. This movie is redacted as fuck. Everything's yeah. blacked out. Everything real is blacked out. Yeah, absolutely. This movie, uh, just one redaction. Just easy, easy. This is, a, this is the kind of movie that you go and watch if you want to get an idea, at least in my opinion, of what the world of espionage is really like. I cannot imagine either of us giving out that. I, if, I don't know. What, what would it take for me to bring the redaction rating all the way down to 0.5, to a half a redaction? I don't know. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know, man. We 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 gave a pretty high redaction to the company, and the company had a lot of real spy stuff. You know, it had a lot of real like of the world type of stuff. Um, and uh, we, I don't think this event is historically true. Quote unquote. I don't know. I don't know. I think a one point five or a two. Uh, I I think I want to go with a one point five on this one because we're very close. Like it's 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 very realistic on a on a geopolitical scale, you know. I don't even know that we could ever give a one, you know. It's 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 yeah. But I, I'm I'm on I'm on board with you on how super super realistic this is. But I, I don't know. I'm I think a one point five is going to do. All right, sounds good to me. Yep. Okay, Dave. Now. I don't know if I'm going to leave this in. There's one other just tiny little thing. I don't know why it tickles me. I might leave it in. I might take it out. I might cut it in earlier in the movie. But uh, I've taken you. I told you. I gave you instructions to go to one hour, 36 minutes, 42 seconds in this film, correct? Yes. You're looking at the screen. Yes. Look at the guy in the background. All right. That, that is the most German man I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> that is a fucking German. Now, think about this a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying he, he represents all of German manhood. I'm not yeah. saying he's like represent. I'm not saying he's a typical German. What I'm saying is like, like the guy in the foreground, right? If you told me like that guy is Italian, I'd be like, you know, if you told me he's German, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. If you said, oh, no, actually, he's Italian, I'd be like, okay. If you told me that Philip Seymour Hoffman in this movie is a German, I'm like, oh, no problem. But then if you said, no, he's actually Swedish, I'd be like, <laughs> okay. That guy in the background of this fucking meeting, there's no gene pool in the world in the history of <laughs> That guy is not Czechoslovakian. He's not Canadian. He's not Swedish. He's not French. He's not Portuguese. He's fucking German. Yeah, no, that is the most German face I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right.
And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. You know, find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.